0: Hi, Chloe Riley with Supermarket News. It's almost the holidays, and here at SN, we'll be taking a little downtime to be with our families and celebrate the season. You won't see our daily newsletter the week of December 26th, but there are still plenty of ways to keep in touch. Follow us on LinkedIn, where we post a weekly industry poll and join in that conversation there. Uh, and also follow us on Instagram at supermarket_news for news and video updates. And also please just reach out and say hi to me, uh, either on LinkedIn or you can find me at chloe.riley@informa.com. at informa.com. I'd love to hear from you. Happy holidays all. And now let's switch over to hear about how inflation is affecting price strategy for retailers. Take a listen. Okay, welcome to SN Off the Shelf, Supermarket News, Executive Editor, Chloe Riley here. And today I'm joined by Matt Pavich, Senior Director of Retail Innovation at Revionics, um, an AI-driven price optimization solutions company. Matt, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Nice to be here. Thank you.
0: Great. So, uh, yeah, you know, we're talking, unsurprisingly, we're talking about inflation. Um you know, the consumer price index data, uh, you know, was just released for November. And, uh, you know, we we're seeing food at home price increases really kind of largely driven by increases in, you know, four of the six, you know, kind of major grocery store food group indexes. So we're looking at fruits and vegetables, cereal and and bakery products, uh, dairy and sort of everything related there, and also non-alcoholic beverages, interestingly. Um Matt, I know that you guys uh you know just kind of put out a, a retailer survey about this. Um, you know, how have retailers sort of responded to you know inflation inventory mismatch uh, sort of from a pricing perspective?
1: Yeah, I think um what we've seen is that uh, retailers are managing this situation in different ways. Some are doing a more sophisticated approach where they're really looking in seeing uh, what their customers are demanding what their competitors are doing and using the best analytics to you know surgically balance their price increases versus where they stay the same versus even when sometimes taking price decreases on some key items um i think a lot of retailers are still just trying to manage this the old-fashioned way which is you know my cost went up x percent so I need to adjust my prices up by Y percent based on some rules, some logic, some margin objective, um, or just simple simply following the competitor. Right, my competitor moved to you know two ninety nine or five ninety nine, and I am going to try to match them and beat them by two percent, five percent higher than them, whatever that is. So there is a, a, a different amount of strategies that are being used. Um, and it really ranges from the least sophisticated to the most. And we're seeing that the ones that are doing it the right way are coming out ahead and are gaining share and, and driving better price perceptions in the market. So.
0: And, and also, why is that when you talk about the being old school, you know, like, uh, you know, to me, that seems logical that that those are the things you would do is either kind of match. The increases you're seeing and raise the prices, or look at what your competitors are doing. Uh, why? Why is that an old way, old school way of doing things? And maybe what's uh, what are some alternative ways that retailers should be thinking about that?
1: Yeah, and I'm a former food buyer, so I know exactly uh, what goes into you know that cost increase negotiation um, and trying to figure out exactly the right way to respond to that. Um, I think, you know, it makes inherent sense, right? You know, I'm inheriting a certain amount of hit to my margin and I want to pass on whatever I believe to be a fair amount to the consumer. So if it goes up, you know, 10%, then I'm going to, you know, raise prices, right? And that makes sense to a certain degree. The problem is, is all of those things are things that your consumers don't see. They don't see what your cost increases. They don't know what Unilever sends to you or what Kraft is saying or what Pepsi or Coke are saying, right? They just know what prices are important for them and which items are most important for them in which locations. And, and they are going to try to find the best prices at a time where everything's gone up for them, right? Gas has gone up, new cars, used cars, right? It's it's a highly inflationary time, and they're thinking about their budget. They're thinking about feeding their families. So all of those internal things like the percentage cost increase that's coming across doesn't matter to them. So you have to listen to them, and you have to listen to what the data says about them and as to which items are really important to win on from a price perception perspective. And you also have to understand that it's going to be different in different markets and in different formats and and banners, right? So if you have, you know, retailers uh, like certain product more in one market, you might have to be more competitive in that market. So a one size fits all approach doesn't make sense, even if it balances out your margin calculations a little easier um, on the books that your customers, frankly, will never see.
0: No, uh, that's, that's a really good point. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I feel like, uh, you know, going back to your guys, this uh, retailer survey around, you know, holiday pricing um, insights. I want to talk about a couple of the learns uh, from that survey. One was, um, it sounds like at least from those surveys, less than half of those sort of in these pricing and merchandising roles feel confident in their strategy kind of going through the end of the year here. Can you, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, it's actually interesting. Um, so we've, you know, we sent out a, a massive survey. We do an annual pricing survey um, and it involved 11 different countries um, across North America and Europe. Um, and grocery was a major uh, percentage of that. In fact, if you include all the verticals that sell some form of food or something, it represents, you know, around 68% of the total respondents. But essentially what we saw is that grocers, like other retailers, are not very confident in their pricing strategies this holiday season and moving forward. um, They're not confident in their forecasts. And you can kind of see why. You can see all of the major retailers um, across numerous verticals who have made mistakes. They've bought too much inventory and and paid the price for it. There's a lot of issues in the supply chain. Um, Some are still pending based on things that are going on in the world, right? Others are, are fairly new, right? You know, a lot of people weren't expecting lettuce to be the thing that went up the most recently, but that just comes from the simple fact that there was INSV virus um, impacting things in the Salinas Valley, America's salad bowl. And, and and that's completely unrelated to Ukraine or global inflation or any of the other factors, right? So things happen. Um, and I think retailers have learned one thing in the past three years, and that's there's a lot of disruption and you need and you can't be as confident in what's going to happen as you could be say, three years ago, right? So it's really hard to know what's going to happen, what prices are gonna increase. There's some things you can see on the horizon like chickpeas or, or sunflower seeds or things involving Ukraine or things involving that, right? But oftentimes it's as simple as you have to be flexible and you have to have the right processes, technologies, solutions in place like an AI platform to understand how to adapt when you need to and adapt quickly to do what's right for your customers.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because you would think, um, you know, having all of those processes in place if, as a as a larger retailer or a lar- larger supermarket, you know, uh, operator would be, uh, you know, kind of easier or make this whole situation easier. But I think from your survey too, it sounded like, um, you know, larger brands are still worried or larger retailers are still worried or, um, you know, they seem to be struggling almost more. Do I have that right?
1: Yeah, we actually saw that larger retailers were less confident than um, smaller retailers. Um, and, and that was pretty interesting. We also found that um, North American retailers were less confident than European retailers um, in the survey, um, which was also a very interesting find considering that you can say that there's more kind of supply chain challenges that are closer to Europe. Um, if you think about some of the issues involved with you know Ukraine and everything else there. Um, and it's also inflation is more across the board in Europe, right? It's it's a lot different in France and say, in Latvia or Romania or other markets. Whereas in the U.S., I mean, we, we're definitely seeing regional um, differences. Uh, for instance, in, in just today's IRI tracker, right? We see like uh, perishables in Rhode Island are only up 9% this year, but up 14% in South Carolina, right? So we know that there's regional variance, but it's even more so in Europe. So that was an interesting find. Um, but it also kind of inherently makes sense, right? Because there's so many things going on, if you think about a large multinational or multi-regional or, or just a big national retailer, right? They have a completely different competitive footprint. They're fighting battles in different regions. So you think about a large grocer, right? They're fighting HEB in Texas, they're fighting Publix in Florida, they're fighting Wegmans in New York, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they're fighting Amazon, Target, Walmart, everywhere, right, and Aldi, right? So these are the, the challenges that a larger retailer has. That maybe a smaller, um, more local one doesn't have to worry about as much.
0: That's yeah, so yeah, that's so interesting. I would not have kind of put that perspective on it, but it uh, it is interesting that you could have uh, you know larger challenges as a larger retailer like that. Um, Matt, I was going to say, as you just mentioned, you know, you used to be a former merch buyer yourself for Target. Uh, So obviously you're, you're speaking from, you know, experience on this, Um, you know, in the past, what, what were some of your own pricing strategies and how what was the headspace that you sort of got into when faced, you know, with high inflation like this?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good question. Um, And, you know, I, I don't think I'm giving away any secrets since it's been quite a while since I've been at Target, but, um you know first of all there are certain pricing policies in place right if your if your price went up or your cost went up a certain percent you couldn't raise above a certain threshold right so that was your maximum that you could raise we also had some good competitive strategies in place i think everyone's pretty well aware that Target is monitoring Walmart and, you know, there's certain items, KPIs and things like that, that, you know, you don't really have much control over their pricing. So even if your costs went up, you're basically tied to what, you know, the market is doing on some of those items. So it was a combination of some basic rules and also some, um, you know, competitive strategies impacting that. But again, one of the things that I think, and we moved a long way since then, um, and Revionics is, we're actually working now with, you know, five of top 10 grocers. Um, and, you know, we have um, a more sophisticated approach and it really comes back down to that one size fits all approach isn't going to cut it. Um, and it's really making sure that, you know, kind of the old school way of, you know, my costs went up X percent. So I'm going to raise my price Y percent. You have to be really surgical and precise right now because demand is so different in different markets. Your competitors are different in different markets. Like I was just saying with like, you know, a A national grocer, right? You're competing with different retailers in different markets. So you have to be really, really savvy and specific. And you have to find those key items that's more critical than ever right now to be priced competitively on those key items. So you think about, you know, 10 years ago or so when I was buying groceries, um, you know, your KVI lists weren't updated as frequently as they should be. Your zone or regional strategies weren't updated as frequently as possible. You didn't have the robust analytics to truly understand, you know, these items are the most important or, you know, I should be priced a little bit differently in this market versus market. And those are all the things that have really evolved. And we're dealing with like really thin margins here because, you know, the the grocers who are taking their prices up more have suffered. They have lost share. And we've seen that very strongly um, in a lot of markets. People are shifting. To lower price, grocers to grocers who have a better price image, um, and it's it's really critical right now to protect your price image above all things with your with your customers.
0: Right, right. It sounds like price perception is huge priority for retailers right now. That that was another find from your survey, right?
1: Yeah. In fact, it's number one. Um, uh, and that, that goes across all retail verticals, except convenience actually said margin was was kind of more important at this time. Um, again, just one survey, right? But I, I think it, it would be, um, it was definitely by far the, the largest thing is price perception, price perception. Um, and, and I think we're seeing that, interestingly enough, across all markets as well. Um, And that makes sense, right? Uh, Whether it's called inflation, cost of living crisis, whatever whatever it's called in in a given market, people are really conscious about their budget right now. And and the key to winning is to identify the right items and really surgically price them the right amount and really limit price increases. Um, And that's something that, you know, we've been really successful with, with our biggest uh, grocery clients, um, making sure that their AURs are going up less than the industry average. Um, And that's one of the reasons why their sales have actually grown faster than the industry average Um, and they picked up some share, um, which has been really critical at this time. People are not brand loyal. They're not retail loyal. Um, They will get a better price and they're savvy and they know how to get them and where to get them and which channels to get them through.
0: Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I was going to say, you know, your survey also found retailers anticipate, I mean, that we're looking at maybe one to even two more years of inflation. Uh, Is that right?
1: Yeah, this was an interesting um, uh, find. Um, when we just straight up asked retailers how long you think inflation will last, um, we found that uh, you know about forty. Uh, I'd have to look at the exact numbers, but I believe it was forty three percent said it will end in twenty twenty three or sooner. Which you know we're a couple of weeks away from twenty twenty three and it hasn't ended yet. So, um, so about forty three percent said that. Another forty percent said it should end in twenty twenty four. Um, So that's, you know, now we're already above 80% and then the rest said it should be about 20, 25 or later. Um, Again, not macro economists, but it's a really good survey of retailers and kind of how they're thinking and how they're planning for things and how they're setting up for um, inflation to continue. Interestingly enough, too, we found that um, a decent sizable percentage, about 37% said that they don't believe that they're ready. For when disinflation happens. They don't have the strategies, the processes, um, anything in place for when prices or inflation starts to slow down, which we've already started to see in a lot of segments already.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say what, what set of challenges sort of you know does that present for retailers after kind of coming down off such a large long bout of inflation?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of retailers, um, well, the more sophisticated ones have been more proactive. They've been using predictive analytics. They've been using, um, you know, these sort of things to strategically negotiate with vendors and they've been And but the less sophisticated ones haven't used it. But either way, regardless of levels of sophistication, um, I think retailers have been very much in a uh "uh-oh, new cost increases coming sort of mode. We have to figure out what the right thing to do is. We have to win on price image. Our competitor just moved up, just moved down. and I feel like shifting from that mindset and that mentality is a bigger shift than just, okay, we didn't get a cost increase this week, or it only went up 1% instead of 5%, which we were expecting, right? It actually comes down to, you know, what are you trying to achieve, right? And even if you think about it all starts with your financial plan and your, your incentive structure and everything else, right? So it's it's thinking in terms of like, what are the real strategic priorities as disinflation occurs, Right. Um, Is it still going to be price perception? Is it going to be, you know, are we trying to gain share in this market versus this market because we feel, you know, this is going to occur, right? So there's so many moving factors, but I think the key to be successful, um, and we've seen this with our customers, is to really have the right analytics and AI in place to really understand what is happening in real time and be dynamic enough to make those pricing adjustments in a way that is beneficial to your customers, and it's kind of a win-win where you can balance it and get your share growth and your profit gains, while the customers are getting the best prices on the right products through all channels possible.
0: So it sounds like um, it's both kind of a combination of a moving away from this very reactive, you know, state that we're in versus uh, you know having a more proactive strategy, and then also you know kind of being flexible uh, with that strategy, you know, as things come up.
1: Yeah, and you even think about things like private label growth, right? I think there's been a lot of retailers have done a great job increasing their private label growth during inflation. It's given them a massive opportunity to say, hey, look, we have this product. It's a lower price. It's a great product. You should try it. Um, But also we've seen, you know, for instance, in promotional strategies, uh, only 22% of uh, retailers have said we use this inflationary opportunity to um, focus more on private label, right? So that's probably a missed opportunity. And if you think about it, now is the time to do that because you will reap the rewards. You'll always reap the rewards if you get those loyal private label users. But especially when disinflation comes, that that's a permanent you know, win to have somebody now buying your private label product, which A, they might actually like better. And surprise, surprise, they can only find it at your place, whether they know it's private or not. So they keep shopping at you. But then also it's usually a higher margin product. You have more control over the promotional strategy. All the benefits that come with it. So these are the things people should be thinking about other than just, oh, what percentage have I raised my AURs or, you know, how am I priced versus my top competitor, right? There's so many things going on right now that if you listen to your customers and have the right products and offerings, you can really drive some value that can last for beyond inflation.
0: Well, Matt, even that little piece of advice you gave right there was so good about uh, just private label promotion, getting the word out about that kind of stuff. Um, any any final advice, you know, to grocery in terms of getting through this time, which is challenging, you know, for, from you, especially having been on, you know, the retail side of things?
1: Yeah, I think disruption is going to be the new norm. Um, you know, we've been waiting for normal to return since, you know, whatever, March of 2020. And we just keep seeing that it's not going to happen. Um, And I think what we really need, what the best grocers are doing is, is they're building processes and systems and and strategies that are flexible to move as cost structures move, competitors move, channel growth changes um, and, you know, consumer demand shift and inflation happens or you get this sort of thing happen. You just need to be flexible. You need to have the procedures and processes and technology in place. To be able to do the right things fast and not just fast but faster than the competition right so it's not just about making the right moves but it's about moving faster than competition because if they're changing prices once a week and you're changing them twice a week three times a week you are going to beat them um so it's really important to be making those investments now if you haven't or if you have to be making them more robust doing continuous improvement, investing in the adoption and metrics of reporting and, and all of those things so that you're continuously setting yourself up to be more savvy, more sophisticated, faster, smarter for the next disruption, whatever it'll be. It could be on coffee, it could be on sugar, it could, there could be you know some sort of other supply chain challenge. Right? We don't know what's going to happen, so we need to be prepared and we need to be smart. And most important of all, we need to listen to customers. It has to start with customer data and knowing what's important to them and knowing that it's going to be different in Toledo than it is in Savannah and knowing that, you know, you have to really start there and then make the right decisions from that.
0: That's great. I take away from this, listen and move fast and don't break things. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, this is an issue we will, you know, definitely, uh, unfortunately, probably continue to keep tracking uh, for the time being. Uh, Matt, you know, thanks so much for your thoughts and insights and thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much, Chloe.